The last of the great human freedoms is the ability to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance. And I can extract myself from the suffering because my attitude can trump my ego's frustration about the situation if I lock in power of my mind to choose differently. I'm going to master this thing called teaching. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to travel whatever distance. I'm going to pay whatever price to give my service of love across this planet. And I'm not going to let any human being on the face of this planet stop me, not even myself. And genius is available in all of us in the area of our highest value when we care enough intrinsically to be inspired to go after solving those problems. It's, it's waiting for all of us to do that. We can expand our awareness, consciousness, to expand who we are as beings into this new human being that we're becoming. It's the tension and the contrast that actually helps to push us through to the next level of evolution. Our cells have consciousness and so does the bacteria. So we can also tune into our bodies and, and work with our bodies more knowing that and appreciating these billions of points of consciousness. Now when that change takes place, the momentum that's created in our life from that moment on is monumental insights, the wisdom, the guidance, the direction, the spontaneous goodness, serendipity, coincidence. Things start to work together for good because we're now in a flow of our personal mind, but we're in the flow of the mind of God. Welcome to the Whole Human Optimization Show. This podcast is entirely devoted to the exploration of physical vitality, emotional well-being, and mental fitness. The intention of each episode is to help you discover your deepest truth by ending the cycles of limitation, addiction, and self-sabotage. I am your host, Ronnie Landis, and today we are going to go on a journey into the frontiers of whole human optimization. Let's go. Greetings and aloha, everyone out there. Welcome to another edition of the official Whole Human Optimization Show. I'm your host, as always, Ronnie Landis. And today I have a very special guest, a friend of mine and a colleague in the transformational coaching space, Miss Ruby Freeman. And uh, she's quite an amazing human being, has her hands in many different things, but really focused on helping develop leaders, real leaders of all kinds, and uh, really putting out, putting out a message about real, true, potent leadership. And that's actually the title of her new book, Potent Leadership. And uh, we've had a number of really good exchanges and conversations over the last few months. We've just recently gotten to know each other much more. I've been aware of you through mutual friends and the, the LA conchi culture community, as I call it now, and uh, the coaching world. And so it's really a pleasure to keep diving in with you. And I'm really just, uh, really just respect you a lot and admire you for who you are and uh, how you show up and how the stance that you've taken in the unapologetic way that you share your truth and get your message out there to everybody. So really appreciate you and uh, thank you for being here. Ronnie, thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. I am grateful to be here and excited to dive into this conversation um, because I know that we're about to go pretty damn deep. <laughs> thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's unavoidable. Um, so how are you doing right now? Thank you for starting off there. 
Um, I think we don't ask this to each other enough these days. Um, I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really grounded. I just came out of my first sweat lodge experience as I was sharing um, last night, which really just helped me recenter and refocus and um, reconnect to my heart, which I'll admit I needed to do because it's been a week. Um, so yeah, I'm feeling really grounded and really good at this moment. Thank you. Mm -hmm. How about you? I'm good. I'm doing really good. Yeah, I can definitely relate. <clears throat> Just continuing to stay connected to the sacred heart, keeping it open and, um, you know, moving through whatever waves that show up and um, staying connected to my practices, staying connected to my dedication to God and um, to myself <clears throat> and just letting the phenomenon of life just play itself out on the stage and uh, not get too attached or wrapped up in the the drama of things, but also just, you know, just observing, just observing the play as it's playing out. And uh, that's something I'm sure we'll, we'll get into, you know, the props and the stages that's set right now, which you know, really is like the fate of the planet, <laughs> mm -hmm. or at least that's yeah. the appearance of it. And all the things that are, all the things that are, that are going on that we're, we're very plugged into and we're paying attention to, and we're trying to navigate. So, um, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing really good feeling very centered, very grounded, very clear and focused and, uh, taking it one breath at a time. That's the only, that's the best way that we can navigate these times, right? One breath at a time. And I think for so long, our society has pushed the hustle, the go, go, go mentality. And <clears throat> over this past, you know, what is it now? 18, 19 months, we have been forced to slow down, but I see it as the greatest gift that humanity could have ever mm -hmm. received mm -hmm. because we needed to slow down. We're not meant to rush through life. We're meant to be present and centered and grounded in each moment. Mm, absolutely. Well, that brings me to a question. So what has this last 18 and 19 months been like for you? What, what's, what's been your process going through this whole thing? Mm. So January, 2020, I definitely held different beliefs than I do today. I'm mm. going to start there. Mm. And I was also, I had also started writing my book in January, 2020. And so I was on this own, my own journey of writing a book. You know what that's like. It's intense, um, requires a lot of energy. And when March came, something fell off, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Like something just didn't feel off. However, I was in fear because I didn't understand what was happening. And as the months continued to go by, I stepped away from my book to just allow myself to go through this process because I felt like something was happening internally. Um, things didn't feel right. I am not someone who operates in misalignment and I needed to get curious about it and offer myself the space to do so. Mm. So as more and more events started unraveling in the world, um, I just started to do my own research and diversify my sources. And that's when my internal matrix began to dissolve. That's when I started to see past the veils of illusion and mm really reconnect with my truth. 
in a way that I had never connected before. It was, to me, it was a return to really trusting myself mm. and what feels right. It was a return to trusting my inner knowing, which I think a lot of humans have, we, we've steered away from that, right? It was, it was a return to trusting my inner authority. Um, and when that happened, it's like, once you see something, you can't unsee it. And mm -hmm. so I started to see more and started to see more. And a lot of what's happening in the world challenges my core values, the number one being integrity. Mm. And, you know, I value health. I value justice. I hate being lied to. And I hate that the world is being lied to on a collective scale. I hate that they're robbing us of, they're trying to rob us of our health. And that so many people are forgetting that we are built with an inner knowing. And so I could not, not say anything. Mm -hmm. And so I started shifting my messaging online to just speaking up a little more about this. And I definitely received a ton of backlash, um, lost so many friends that mm -hmm. I had for over a decade, um, got DMS. Like, I, I hope you get sick and die. Mm -hmm. Um, you're murdering millions of people around the world. Like these are straight up messages I would get from people I know too. These mm. are not from strangers. So it was, it was tough. And at the same time, I couldn't stop speaking up. Mm. I was like, it mm -hmm. just doesn't feel right to me. It feels misaligned for me to hide behind my platform and pretend like the world is a, this happy mm. love and light place. I even paused my business by the end of 2020, um, which was really risky as an entrepreneur. I focused on my book, shifted the messaging of my book to really align with these times and took eight months off coaching clients. Like I had a, one or two clients here and there, but I really took some time off to integrate what was taking place. And also to, it was almost like I was waiting for a lot of humanity to catch up mm -hmm. um, so that I could meet them where they're <clears throat> at and really support them fully and serve and, and serve them fully. So it's been a roller coaster ride of emotions, to be honest, especially because my entire family is in Canada and Canada is under a whole other level of tyrannical laws, just like Australia. Um, but it's also brought me in more connection with myself and what I hold most meaningful in my life. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. I can definitely relate to all of that aside from the Canada part. Um, although I did at the time I did get engaged to a woman from Canada. Mm -hmm. So I was connected to that in that way. Um, yeah, it, it was definitely very interesting for me. It, it wasn't actually a surprise for me. Um, because I had been pretty plugged into the undercurrent of things for about a decade. Um, but it never really took full form, you know, it was more just kind of a lot of my side research, conspiratorial research, paranormal research, these are things that I'd really gotten deep to, deep into on, on the side of things and, you know, all-nighter rabbit holes and, and things of that nature, just, just because that was, that was my form of entertainment. That's what I'd get into aside from my work. And then a number of years ago, I started getting really deep into shadow work and really deep into all areas of psychology. And that took me into um, it took me into a lot of different areas of the underworld. And so it was kind of like prepping me 
And then as 2020 unfolded and then um, March came around, I actually thought it was a joke at first. Like it wasn't a joke, but I, I treated it like a joke. Everybody's getting all worried and everything. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Like, what are we talking about? Some, some, some virus of some sort? Like, haven't we been through this every election? There's a new virus. Like this is, mm-hmm. you know, so I thought it was just another, <clears throat> another addition of that. And then as things unfolded, it became very obvious that there was a different energetic to this. There was definitely like a different level of psychopathy that was being pushed. And then that took me really fast and furious into unearthing everything that was coming up around it. Now, that was the most interesting for, thing for me, because aside from the the COVID lockdown scenario, um, so many other things started to get unlocked and unearthed. Um, the human trafficking and the child trafficking and the the satanic ritual abuse and and all in uh, just all the criminality that seemed to just be associated with it indirectly and somehow all of this stuff was coming up all around it and uh, that became my focal point and then that took me into you know you know you've seen a lot of my posts over over the months before i got shadow banned on instagram and the things that i was diving into and that that really took me through a very deep deep spiritual initiation many spiritual initiations um to really get super sober about what's actually happening on this planet, what's been happening for thousands of years. And then now we're at this culmination point and it's all coming to a head disguised as some political, you know, the political election, all the, the hoo-ha around that. And then the, the COVID thing. And now we have this new situation that's being pushed and new lockdowns, really just like a, a mass trauma, fear, paranoia event to disguise you know, kind of the the underbelly of of what's trying to be pushed upon us. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely can relate to the shock of people, uh, you know, people that I've known too for, for, you know, into a decade, people that were very close to me that I've been there for, supported, um, you know, the people that have cried in my arms. And then, you know, to get these messages and these these blocks and these these you know is to just out of nowhere you know that that piece was particularly shocking but once i just understood what path i was on it kind of just it kind of just became black and white i don't know if that that was the case for you but for me i just took out my samurai sword and i just started cutting mm-hmm. cutting through you know cutting through all of it and and cutting people out if they wanted to cut me out then i was going to cut them out not because of anything to do with my ego but because i was so clear about what's going on and having to having to make amends and peace with those things in the moment and just move on and what's beautiful too about that is it also became a really great filter for who's really on the mission, like who's really awakened and who who our soul tribe really is and who we're walking in alignment with. A hundred percent. I was just talking about this with a couple other friends yesterday. I feel like I have connected to my real soul fam over the past year and gotten deep with 
people in a way that I had never gotten deep before. And, um, all of this happened very quickly. And it's because here's my theory on it. So the last two years have really brought us face to face with what we hold meaningful because the world has slowed Mm -hmm. down. It's forced us to look at our lives in a way that we've never really truly looked at our lives. Mm. Like, what are we doing? Mm. What am I wasting my energy on? What actually feels meaningful to me? So it's brought us in to a deeper state of connection with what we hold most sacred, our values. And so we are now connecting with people on a soul level, like people who really see us, like Mm. we see each other, Mm. we see what we're fighting for, we see what we stand for. And when you have that level of clarity, it's easy to just let things go. Mm. Like for Mm -hmm. me, I've been practicing both a grieving process because I think it's important to grieve because some of these people, Mm -hmm. you know, are people that I love very deeply. So to give myself the space to honor the grief that I'm experiencing. And also I, I feel no hesitation to release, you know, and I'm finding myself connecting with more and more people who feel deeply aligned with Mm -hmm. who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, people who really see me and honor me and respect me and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And that I would rather have that in my life than anything else. You know, everything else was superficial to me. And this is the end. This is the end of of superficial Mm. anything. And there are a lot of people who are still playing into the superficial superficial mentality, um, into seeking answers outside of themselves, into external everything. This is a call for us to dive inwards and connect on that level. So Mm. for me, it's been um, both a grieving process, but also one that, has brought me into a more profound sense of alignment in my life. And for that, I am grateful. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. That's a beautiful place to take the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, I was just talking to Coop Blackson uh, earlier this week and we really got into that and um, you know, his whole thing around surrender and we got into, he was like, you know, he's going through the phases of surrender and what that really means. And he's like, you know, the, the thing that people don't get, get to the phase that people don't get to is the grieving process. And it was a really deep conversation we had. And then it brought us into the final conversation around facing our own death. And this has been a theme coming up for me. And I certainly like no virus brought this up in me. I had no fear around that. But going through these deep spiritual processes and having to let go of you know, whatever, whether it was like the past relationship with that, the marriage and then another relationship and having to go through these letting go and releasing processes and, and, and releasing a part of me every time and then being reborn to myself. Um, it brought up this sense recently that I needed to actually face my death head on, you know, and thank God for things like ayahuasca that actually allow me to do that. Um, but here in real time in the 3D um, temporal space, it became clear that I actually need to confront whatever part of me was still resisting its own disillusion so I could fully become an embodied being, you know, living from my soul, living from my truth, living from my devotion to God and being unwavering and not allowing these weird little ego concerns to get in the way, but actually being in full total alignment. And 
um, the so you know we we got into this thing around the grieving process, and I think that's that's so important because even as I said, like I took my samurai sword out, like um, I I didn't necessarily fully grieve those things. I just was moving so quickly through that it was like I didn't even have time to sit there and think. I'm like, okay, cool, block, you're done, goodbye. Good. It was like I'm just moving through this thing so quickly, and now to your point that we're really kind of like in the quiet before the storm again. So the opportunity is really to actually sit with ourselves and feel everything that maybe we had not been able to feel before and, and go through this grieving process that will allow us to actually become who we're meant to be on the other side. Yeah. I feel you on that. Um, and it's funny because like grief is, is one of those, emotions that so many people resist because they're clinging on to a false sense of hope. Right. And I think hope is a great thing. I think having faith is an amazing thing, right? It gets us through so much and there's great power in allowing yourself to grieve. Um, you know, if you're not grieving, you're resisting. And for me, Mm. I, I don't remember if it was embedded in one of my ceremonies with ayahuasca um, cause I sit quite often, or if it was just like a message from creator, I have no idea. But at the beginning of this year, I was told to grieve and I really gave myself the space to do that. Mm. Grieving the possibility of never seeing my parents again, mm. grieving the possibility of never seeing my family again, grieving the losses in my life, the friendships lost, the, the, uh, familial relationships that have been broken because of all of this, just grieving the life that once was right. Mm -hmm. Grieving the life that I once had, grieving the life that we once had in humanity, grieving what humanity once was. Mm -hmm. And the more I allow myself to grieve and process that grief, the more free I feel Mm -hmm. because it's, it's almost, um, it's, it's like, it paves a way for me to become more grounded I think when we hold grief, the energetics of grief in the background, again, like we're resisting something and that's always going to come up. And one of the things, the other things as well, you mentioned death and we are seeing a mass fear of death, like on a collective scale. What are people most scared of right now? They're scared of dying. And I got over that fear a long time ago. Mm. You know, uh, when my grandmother passed away, when I was about 18 years old, Um, it was really hard for me and I decided that I wanted to confront death straight on. So I became a certified hospice care worker, um, at 18, which is crazy. And I would volunteer at hospices and sit with all these incredible beings who, you know, they weren't depressed. They weren't sad. They would be sad because their family wasn't visiting them, but I would be there and we would just have great conversations, there was a lightness in their energy. It it just, it felt like a beautiful time of completion. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to see death as really part of our cycle because it is like death is part of our human existence. It's part of our cycle. There is always a time for death and everything in our, Mm -hmm. in, in our world, death is part of the cycle. And I think when you stop fearing death, that opens you up to being really fully present in each moment, you know, and 
that's important right now is because a lot of people are fearing death without really fully understanding what they're fearing. Right. And that just creates this, you know, fight or flight response in their nervous system. And now they're, they're facing the world from this reactive state day in and day out, Mm -hmm. highly agitated, highly anxious, somewhat depressed. Many are very depressed. Mental illness is on the rise. It's insanity, Mm. but this is like this whole thing has brought up all of our shadows on a collective scale. Um, and that to me, you can look at it as something that is negative or something that is positive. And for me, this is the greatest gift. Like let's all bring our shadows Mm, to the surface. Let's bring the collective's shadows to the surface. Let's bring the shadows of every industry known to man to the surface. Mm, mm -hmm. So we can finally face those things, you know, as scary as they are, but unfortunately not everyone is ready to see it. You know, I've even sat in multiple ayahuasca ceremonies where people literally resist what they're seeing mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and not everyone's ready at this time. Mm, Yeah. I remember sitting with Michael Beckwith one time and we're talking about the evolution of consciousness in the world. And he was just like, you know, one way or another, it's happening. Some people are going to be dragged, kicking and screaming. No, this was David Wolf. He was, (laughs) it was like, it was a similar conversation. I remember it was like almost the same thing, but just a different way of saying it. David was like, he's like, you know, like, some people are going to be dragged kicking and screaming and some people like some of us are going to be stoked to 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 get to the other end and it really does it's like that bifurcation right now is so clear and obvious like people are literally dragging their heels they're just complaining they just can't get out of this this perpetual loop of of just negativity and it's all doom and gloom and what about me and all my my whatever and then there's other people who are just like it's like yo i've been waiting for this this is the time that we were born for hallelujah thank goodness that everything that's been held underneath the veil of illusion is being uprooted and unearthed is it uncomfortable yeah it's like wow this is totally insane it's almost i can't even believe that this is real like reality has been completely inverted in so much of my process that I literally tied my brain into pretzels and unwound it and had to use certain like um, psychotherapeutic um, modalities to actually unwind my mind to, to really see the layers of how much of a movie this culture has been. And behind the props and stages exists a completely different reality and all and actors playing the role of actors, acting as actors projected upon us. Um, I mean, the whole thing has just been such a trip. But, you know, even going through that, there's still this feeling of like, man, like I'm so happy to be right here right now because this is the time. Like, could you imagine like if I incarnated like, in the 1960s, I'd be so bummed. I'd be like, dude, I totally missed it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, we are all here at this time for a purpose, you know? And yeah, it, it's felt like a giant psychedelic trip to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the, it's like, once you 
see past one veil of illusion, another veil of illusion appears. And then once you see past that, another veil and another veil and another veil. And they only appear though. They only appear if you're willing to see them, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you're willing to, to open up to receive them. And that's where I think we're, we're getting like this weird dissonance. It's like people aren't willing because Mm -hmm. it's scary, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's scary. It's very uncomfortable and people don't like being uncomfortable. And this is extremely uncomfortable. Plus when this all went down, I mean, our basic human needs were being threatened. And I mean, like the base of the pyramid, like physiological needs, need for mm-hmm. safety. And so when that happens, human beings automatically, their their nervous systems go kind of haywire and they start to, um, they go into self-preservation mode. And a mm-hmm. lot of times mm-hmm. that will uh, disrupt your ability to think critically or think clearly about things. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing on a collective scale. But if people were to just pause for a moment, like just take a breath or two or 10, right? And start to ask questions versus automatically trusting everything that is being told to them. Mm -hmm. Like just start to get curious, start to tap into what your inner knowing is saying, how is your body feeling when you receive this message or mm. the news? Like, how does your body feel when you watch the news? You know, how does the your body feel or react when you hear something online? Like, that's telling you something. There is a resonance there or a lack of resonance that you need to really be aware of because our bodies are so much tell us so much more than our minds are able to because our minds are filled with all the programming that we have been bestowed with for generations. This doesn't, Mm -hmm. this isn't just this lifetime. This is our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents. This conditioning has been happening for generations, priming us for this moment. So for those of us who are actually doing the work and and have the willingness to see and ask questions and, and reclaim our sovereignty, I honor all of us for doing that because this shit is hard, <laughs> right? And it's super uncomfortable. I have never felt so uncomfortable for such a long period of time. And at the same mm. time, it it feels really good to be in this discomfort because it's a for me, it's a, a state of um, exploration mm, and mm-hmm, observation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And there's such a, a sense of freedom that comes from that from knowing that, oh, right, we can trust ourselves. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's perfect. This I want to, yeah, I definitely want to go into, go into the themes of leadership with you. I know that's like the core, the core message of your work. And uh, right now, you know, that's, that's never been more important than ever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people may be feeling that they need to step up in some way, shape or form. And I, I usually tell people at this point, you know, if you're feeling that that call that you need to step up, it may not be just stepping up in some extravagant way or like you need to get on the front lines of some mission or message. Um, but maybe it's that you just need to step up in your own personal life or maybe that's where we start. Right. 
I'm curious how how leadership has shifted for you and how you work for you work with people in that domain. Yeah, I think that um leadership hasn't shifted for me, but I've actually become hyper aware of what it actually means to me. I think before mm-hmm. it was kind of like this visual representation, like I know this is where I want it to go and and what I see for for leadership in the future. Now it's become like the reality. And, um, you know, it, it. I see, oh, let's start here. With the rise of digital media and social media, like anyone can claim the title of leader. It's just an IG bio, right? You can claim to mm. be anything you want. And for some reason, people just automatically trust that because you either have a blue check mark, you've claimed you, you know, you're, you're a published author or you've got so many followers, whatever it is. But what we're seeing now is more and more people are waking up to the, um, to tapping into how they're feeling. So you look at someone perhaps on IG and you see them posting what they're posting and it's like their format hasn't really changed since all this went down. Right. Mm-hmm. Something is off, energetically off, you know? And and for me, the old paradigm of leadership, let's the very old paradigm of leadership is more that typical traditional corporate view of leadership. You know, there's someone in charge, they're on a pedestal, they're speaking down at their people, you know, it's their way or the highway. That used to fly. And then with the influx of social media, it became this like, I'm a leader because I say I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. And it got really mixed up in the world of influencership, you know? And so a lot of people were performing and acting and claiming to be leaders when really they're just influencers, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And they're in it for their egos. They're not in it for servitude. They're not in it to really pave the way for humanity. They, they've lost sight of their purpose. And a lot of them are unconscious to this. Mm. They're just coming at it from this place of like, I'm doing this for me and not even realizing it because they get caught up in the dopamine hits mm-hmm. of the likes, the engagement, the views. And when you get caught up in that addiction, you start to show up in a way that's going to, you think is going to please your audience, right? Mm -hmm. You start to show up in a way where you manipulate how you're being seen because you want to control your perception, how people perceive you. So that's what we're currently seeing. My view for leadership, and this is what I call potent leadership, is really just leaders who truly own every aspect of who they be. Mm Leaders who aren't afraid to show up as the fullest, fullest expression of who they be and lead from that place. You know, I believe that we all have a medicine within us and I call this potency and it's the totality of all that you are. You know, there's not one thing that makes us unique. It's the totality of everything Mm -hmm. that alchemizes together to create potency. And that's what makes us unique. But for far too long, we've been told we're too much. We're not enough. Um, you know, do this, do that, fit this box. Mm-hmm. And that's caused a lot of people to dilute themselves to, in order to be liked again, a self-preservation technique, potent leadership to me. And then, and redefining leadership right now is all about people reclaiming who they are 
which starts with the deep dive inwards, Mm -hmm. like stop focusing on the external for Mm -hmm. a minute Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and do the inner work and devote yourself to that inner work and know that you can be devoted to your inner work while serving other people. This isn't a, like an, and, or this isn't an, or situation. It's and you do it simultaneously. Right. Mm -hmm. So really devoting yourself to your inner work, to your inner process, to uncovering more of yourself, to reclaiming more of who you be and weaving that into your leadership. Um, and I like what you said earlier about like, it doesn't have to be about like taking a stand. Cause I think a lot of people assume that I show up the way I show up because this is what I deeply value. I cannot, like, I will be on this hill fighting until the day I die. I will die on this hill. Mm. And I understand that that's not everyone, but perhaps there's a shift you can make in your messaging. Perhaps there's a shift you can make in your services and your offers and the way you show up in the world. Perhaps there's a a shift in the way that you serve and show up for people and and perhaps, and there's a shift in the way you show up for yourself and how you take care of yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So this is the work that I do with leaders. And um, like I said earlier, it's not so much about my work shifting. It's almost like now I really know. Like now it's mm-hmm. super clear, like mm. this is what I'm here to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I resonate with that. That's pretty much the same thing for me. Um, as far as the, <clears throat> the deepening of what I've known for a long time, and it's just like a different level of knowing it's deeper, it's more embodied, it's more palpable, it's more crystal clear. And <clears throat> I really appreciate all that because that's, that's so much been my process of untethering from the the old ways of doing things and even the 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 attachments and to attachments to social media the attachments to a coaching practice and and different things of that nature and really going deep inside and allowing things to unravel around me if need be in order to stay fully anchored and committed to my own personal evolution and knowing that whatever that requires of me is exactly what's needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Even if it's uncomfortable, it's going to be uncomfortable. That's a given. So I'm not even, I'm not even going to have that conversation with myself. Like that's just a given going into it. Um, but it, yeah, the, the uncertainty aspect is interesting because implied in that process is there is a death. There is a transition. Uh, there's a transition of identity there's a transition of who we've been accustomed to being, all the habits, the patterns, the thoughts, the emotional tendencies, the relationships, the things that we had associated to who, we, who we're used to being. And now there's an invitation. And for a lot of people, it's, it's more than an invitation. It's a full-blown necessity to walk through that uncertain path of, um, of transformation. And so that requires a letting go of the old and it's in, and so that this is interesting, curious what you think about this whole thing around letting go. Cause it's not always obvious what that actually means or looks like. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, yeah, we just need to let go of things. My experience has been, yes, there, there's definitely like things within my control that I get to let go of, but I've also noticed that there, it seems that there's things that let go of me. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's not just that like I'm letting go, like I'm the one who lets go. It's almost like as I 
continue deepening and getting more clarity and getting more in integrity with myself and keep moving forward, old energies, old relationships, old habits, they let go of me. Um, and it's, it, it's not obvious to me exactly what that, what that, like that formula is. It's just something I've noticed along the way. Yeah. I, I love that you said that because I've never really thought of it that way. Um, and what comes to mind is, yeah, things definitely let go of, of me. And when that happens, am I willing to release it or am I resisting mm -hmm, the process? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people get stuck in the resisting of it because we're so comfortable. And again, we don't like discomfort. And so we hold on to things for far too long, whether it's relationships or things or addictions or substances or experiences, whatever it is. Like we hold on for dear life because we're scared. Ultimately, we're scared. Um, but there is again, great freedom that comes from releasing or letting go. And I believe when it, when it's the letting go on our part, it involves a process. You know, there's so much that we say that so much that is said in the personal development space that to me are just words yeah. and they lose their meaning because they're used over and over and over again with no context, with no explanation. So you tell people, just let that go. It's like, how though? Right. Uh -huh. So for, how do you, how do you let that go? And for me, there's such a process in order to let something go. You have to undergo a process and you have to be, un you have to be willing to go through that process so that you can actually let go, right? You have to understand why you're holding on in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. you, have to, you have to understand what you're scared of if you did let go. There's so many opportunities for you to learn more about yourself if you just give yourself the space to process that and know that like, it's really hard to just let things go. Yeah, that, That's not how it works. We all have to go through a process to make that happen. You know, even people who kick a habit uh, or an addiction overnight, like people who it's like, I went cold Turkey. You actually underwent a yep. process mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to get to that place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. There is a process there that we need to start acknowledging. Um, because right now, there is, I mean, we, we both talked about this a few times now, like there's, there is this energy of letting go of releasing and paving the way for something new to emerge. It, it's the letting go of everything that is misaligned. And, you know, perhaps these aren't things that were always misaligned at one mm. point they were mm. aligned in our mm -hmm. life, but now they've become misaligned so Right. To, to release that, to let that go, to create space for what's coming. But that involves a process. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. That's really well said. Um, I actually like to go deeper into that process with you um, because that's so spot on. In order to let go, you have to undergo a process. And, that, and see, that's, that's the thing, right? Like that's the thing that people resist is the actual process, the alchemical transmutative process that, that every, it's like every single thing in our life is this way. And I'm har I've been harping last night. I did a whole, I did this two hour workshop and I was just harping on this certain themes back and forth about 
you know, integrity, integration, they're basically, they're the same exact thing. Like, what does it mean to be an integrity with yourself? It means to be integrated with yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, commitment like this. So I was just harping on this whole thing about commitment and just drilling everybody. And like, look, like ultimately if you want this to work for you, you have to be committed to the process. And one of the themes was like around timelines, like attuning to the timeline that you actually, <clears throat> that A, you want to be on and your soul is calling you to be on and understanding that there is a communication from your future self to you that we call intuition, right? We call mm -hmm. visions, we call insights. And if you can attune to that and you can commit to the the actual vision itself then everything in between will rearrange itself mm -hmm. but often we get so caught up in the the present moment um not even the present moment but we get caught up in the fight or flight nervous system based mm -hmm. on past experiences that we haven't integrated and resolved so we're afraid of recreating the same thing but we are recreating the same thing over and over and over and so it just screws it screws with our timeline but the process it's so simple again it's like it's it's actually undergoing authentically undergoing a process um so yeah, anyways yeah i want to i want to kind of go a little bit deeper into that with you and whatever comes up yeah i'm going to start with it's a conscious decision to do so yeah right like i think it, the usually the autopilot response that we all have, because again, self-preservation is a thing, um, is to not undergo that process because undergoing that process it could flag like danger receptors. And then we go into fight or flight and we're scared and it's uncertain. And, and we are actually designed to fear uncertainty, you know, and, and, and why, well, it's a good thing because if we're out in the wild and, you know, uh, a bear comes at us to attack us. Like it's good to get into flight, fight or flight so that you can run and respond accordingly. However, the way that we are operating in fight or flight now is actually destroying our ability to respond. Mm -hmm. And so we get to consciously choose this. Like if you think about anyone watching or listening, like if you think about when you chose to get into personal development, like the actual work of personal development, that was a conscious decision to mm -hmm. do so. Mm -hmm. Whether you picked up a book and consciously chose to read that book or attended a workshop and consciously chose to do that, whatever it is, it was a conscious decision. This work that we do, the processes that we undertake, these are conscious decisions that we make. But we have to be in a clear mind to make those decisions and not in the reactive state. So for right. me, in order to undergo these processes, my work every day is to ground myself, to stay grounded, to do what I need to do to fill my vessel, to remain in a, a state of being very connected to self, to creator, um, and to ground my energy so that I'm not hitting the day from this reactive state and whatever mm. that looks like, you know, everyone has their own rituals around this, but that is something that to me has become a non-negotiable in mm. my life because mm. I understand mm -hmm. the benefits. And when I come at my day from that space, from grounding my energy, it becomes very clear which decisions I get to make 
consciously mm. for myself, which processes I'm ready to undertake, what I'm ready to face, what shadows I'm ready to face, and not from a place of reactivity or fear, but from a place of like, yeah, I want to tackle this on today. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. um, for example, I, you know, my relationship with ayahuasca began in 2018. And since then, it's been almost 30 ceremonies in, including a two week dieta in the Amazon jungle. I don't do this because my ceremonies are beautiful. In fact, the majority of my ceremonies have been extremely tough, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. really hard. And I think too many people talk about the bliss like ceremonies, not, not enough, right? Not enough people talk about the reality of what it is. Mm -hmm. And maybe this can be for another episode, but I also think it's because a lot of people aren't really drinking true ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're, they're really tough. I go back and every time I go back, uh, my stomach is in knots. I'm super nervous before I take that cup and I do it because I'm making a conscious decision to face the parts of myself that I cannot face without the support of grandmother. <clears throat> and I know that I continue to become a better person and more attuned with who I truly am after these ceremonies, no matter how difficult they are. And no matter what truths come out of it, because a lot of times she'll bring up a truth and I'll be like, damn, like I yeah. did not want to see that, <laughs> but now I, I can't unsee it. So now, mm -hmm. now I got to face it. Um, same thing with a sweat lodge last night. Like I was sitting there and I, they said that, you know, between songs, you can exit, um, with permission. And I would, it was so hot. My lips were burning. My eyeballs were on fire. I, mm. I it, like my fingertips were felt like they had fire on them. It was really hard to breathe. And I took that on as a challenge because uh, one of the things that our, our elder had said, he said, if you find yourself in your mind, then you're out of prayer mm. now started to do this for selfish reasons. Mm. And so that kept playing in my mind and I would return to prayer. And so for me, I saw that as this opportunity to, um, challenge the friction that I often feel between mind and heart. So I do, I, I say this all to say that we have the opportunity to undertake these processes at any given time. It all comes down to choice. Mm -hmm. I choose mm -hmm. to evolve in my life. And the only way that I see evolution, like real, real deep, profound evolution, the possibility of that happening is by being uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love that you talked about your ayahuasca experiences. I've definitely seeded, seeded that in almost every episode so far, uh, relaunching this podcast. And I mean, we could talk a long time about that topic in of itself. I'm, I'm deeply indebted to, to that teacher and uh, she's still very much in me, which is mm -hmm. it completely changed my whole personality. It's, it's shifted it shifted me and it's still shifting me. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's something to get into a little mm -hmm. bit deeper in another time. But, you know, the point that you're making that's coming up for me 
is the truth that's been in me most of my life and why I didn't really understand people in terms of like why they didn't actually go all in on their life, why they didn't have bigger dreams or bigger goals or aspirations, why they just settled for the humdrum, you know, sitcom black at, you know, Nickelodeon or Nick at night, like black and white type of reality, like just this humdrum, just, you know, good enough. It's, it's, it's all good. Like I got my good job and I got, you know, this, you know, it's, it's just, it's all good. Don't need to, don't need to rock the boat. Like, and I just never understood that actually like drove me crazy sometimes to the point where people thought I was judgmental and maybe I was, but I was just like, yo, like, what do you do? Like, why are you not going for more? And, it, and you know, now it's, it's obvious. Um, there's not really a lot of judgment around it. It's just understanding that, that some people are wired a little bit differently. Um, you know, for me, and I think you're very much the same way. I just can't help but push the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a habitual line stepper. Like I have to push the boundaries because that's just what I'm designed to do. Um, you know, I have to find out what's possible. And so this whole thing around being uncomfortable is kind of just like, I don't know, it's weird. It's weird to me that people resist being uncomfortable. And there's different there's different versions of being uncomfortable. There's being too uncomfortable, right? That that's mm-hmm. actually like become stressful or or distressful. But then just the I mean, life is uncomfortable. Growth is uncomfortable. Going to the gym is inherently uncomfortable, but you know why you're going to the gym. Like mm-hmm. there there's an there's an obvious connotation to that. Um but people seem to have a hard time with other forms of discomfort that to me just seem just as obviously built into the whole equation, whether you're wanting to build a business, you're, you're wanting to do something new um, and the hesitation and the stories and the, the reluctance to just step out and do the thing. I guess for me, um, although I understand it, I, I, there's a part of me that doesn't understand why that's so difficult. I mean, I, I do, but I, I, but there's a part of me, it's kind of like, yo, like, get, like you're nothing, nothing's going to happen until you just go out and do it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we have to take into consideration, um, ancestral patterning, you know, for, for example, sure. I come from an immigrant family first generation. And what that means is like my grandfather fought to give my dad, the life and his siblings, the life that they had, that my mm-hmm. dad migrated to Canada and fought to give us the life we had. Nothing was ever comfortable for us yeah. as an immigrant family. Nothing. We have worked hard for everything, blood, sweat, and tears our entire lives. And that's what I witnessed growing up. If you want something, you go out and you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, some people never saw that, you know, some people, just were raised with parents who did nine to fives who were probably a little miserable, but just wanted to keep their family safe. And again, like Mm, nothing mm. wrong with that. They just want to keep their family safe. Um, So it really depends on the patterning that um, we're exposed to and what's really dropped into our lineage. And um, I believe for the people who are too comfortable, it, it will take a moment like an experience and initiation mm, mm, mm-hmm. for them to want to step out of that comfort. Like they need to undergo. And when I say initiation, I mean like some level of a trauma yeah. um, because I see yeah. traumas as initiations and some people 
I've met people who have never really experienced a substantial trauma in their life. And so for that reason, it, it's just easy to continue operating on autopilot because they've mm-hmm. never had to right. fight for their life or they've never had to do anything that's, uh, that drew them out of their comfort zone. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, there's so many things that we have to take into consideration when talking about that. It's easy for us to say, like, just get uncomfortable. But when someone has never, ever, ever done that or ever been really fully exposed to that, um, and had been shown the exact opposite. It's kind of like, well, why should I? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And and that's the, that's the piece. It, it's just, it's, it's interesting if anything, just to observe, like there's really no judgment around it on my mm-hmm. part at this point. Um, but it's an interesting observation that I've tracked, whether it's, it's, you know, in the healing field, I've seen like the good, bad, the ugly, the up and the down, I've seen the whole spectrum of of the healing world and i always noticed when i worked in the emergency room like like 13 14 years ago i would notice people that had the same condition same kind of situation and one person would quickly decline and then they would then you'd find the 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 gurney was empty the next day and they had passed on and then you had another person that made a recovery they were getting better and I always wondered, like, what was the difference? And it seemed to me that the difference is that one person had a reason to live. Mm-hmm. They usually had their family. They had something to live for. And then the other person just kind of, they didn't have anything to live for. They So they just kind of gave up. They just kind of, it didn't, you know, they didn't, they just checked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. there. I don't know if you um, ever read the study and I can't remember who did it, um, but they did a study on hip surgery replacement patients because Mm. it's one of the most painful recoveries to undergo and, um, how they're put on, you know, mass amount of morphine afterwards. And they studied the people who became addicts after that and the people who didn't, and they took those two groups of people and they found that the ones who became addicts were the ones that didn't have the support around them. Mm. that didn't have something Mm -hmm. to live for. They didn't have a, a sense of meaning in their life or the people around them uh, to love them. And the ones who were not addicted, um, they had the support, they had meaning. And that Mm -hmm. study was done to prove that it's, it's not just about the substance, right? It's about our mindset and our, and our hearts and, and what we have going on in our lives. And I just thought that that was so interesting. And it's just something to remember today. Um, because everything comes back to how we choose to live our lives yeah, and who we choose to surround ourselves with. And yeah, I just, that was one of the most remarkable studies I'd ever looked at. Yeah. that That's amazing. And I think that brings us like full circle and how we started the conversation and mm-hmm. which is like, okay, how, how, how do we navigate the times that we're in? How do we navigate the, the matrix essentially? And we definitely can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the thing that's been made super clear and obvious. And I think the people that are having the hardest time are the ones that feel isolated and alone. And whether they feel like they have to do it alone or they actually are alone, they don't have a lot of support. And mm-hmm. I, I think the rally call here, the rally cry is to start plugging into community mm-hmm. and communing and connecting with other people 
Um, because I know for me, if it weren't for my community of close soul allies, um, I mean, I, I don't know how I would be right now. Like it, like people have come through in the nick of time and helped just like, just pull me through. And I've done the same thing when I'm in a better state. So it's like the, the community and relationship piece, I think is, is the most important aspect of, of how we, how we stay present, how we stay centered and grounded and how we, how we move through this time. Mm-hmm. I've never felt um, a need for community, to be honest. I've been kind of like this lone wolf my entire life. Um, part of that stemmed from just the stories I would tell myself from being bullied. Um, but I, moving to Austin, going through all of this, cultivating real community has been a number one priority in my life. Just really finding those people who would, you know, be there for you in the nick of time when you really need them and understanding who they are and deepening and nurturing those relationships because we as human beings are meant to live in community. You know, we're not meant to live alone as own wolves and anyone who believes that is really just telling themselves a story mm-hmm. due to something they experience in their life. Like we're meant to live in community. And I think now is the most potent time for us to build those communities because like I said before, like, we're very clear on what we value. So find people who value the same, find people that you can have real conversations with and connect to heart to heart um, so that you don't have to feel alone in this so that you have people to support you when you need support. Um, You have people to share love with um, because this right now what's happening it's like the div- great divide is, um, is upon us. And the <laughs> mm-hmm. only way to really bridge that gap is by embodying what it means to be in unity. And that starts within our own lives. So being in unity with ourselves and then being in unity with the people around us that we choose to have around us. And we get to choose these people, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't always mm-hmm. have to be mm-hmm. the blood relatives. It's who we choose. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. I think the the last question I have for you is where where do you see this whole thing going? (laughs) Such a fully loaded question. I mean, there's definitely an agenda of where they want this to go. Yes. Um, Whether or not we get to that point is up to humanity. Um, It's up to us. And I have faith because every day, I am witnessing more and more people waking up. I'm witnessing more and more people take a stand. And that's what I choose to focus on. Um, So I have faith. I think it's hard to say where I think this is going, where I would like it to go is I would love it to go to a place where we return to the earth and we return Mm, to the ways mm, of our ancestors, mm, mm, you know, mm -hmm. where we return to a place of being deeply connected to the earth, holding reverence to the great mother who holds us, um, having reverence for each other, um, living in community, being in community, living off our land, just returning to the ways of our ancestors. Like I really, that's what I deeply, deeply desire for humanity. And so what happens because the agenda is rolling out that they're going to roll it out. It's Mm -hmm. happening. That's what they're doing. It's up to us. We get to decide 
how this plays out. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. I'll reserve my mind's very similar and there's a lot of detail to it, but I, I agree. It's, it's, yeah, there's, there's two forces at play. There's a malevolent and a benevolent force. And, um, we're getting to see and witness the one side of it very, very clearly, which is really good because we can actually see it playing out. So it's not really, none of it's actually a surprise anymore. And it's actually kind of sloppy in the way that it, that it's been playing out. So that tells me a lot about what's playing out behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have to batten down the hatches and really, you know, prepare for the thunderstorm ahead. Um, I do know that this is the defining decade um mm-hmm. for sure like we we don't have a whole lot of time here to just twiddle our fingers or to uh to resist being uncomfortable we're already in it so now yeah. to me is the time to get really solid in whatever it is that we need to solidify get strong mm-hmm. get resilient do take on these practices that people hear from podcasts and, and, you know, health optimization practices, psychological and emotional stability practices, self-care, um, you know, fitness training, like nutrition, cleansing, detoxing, personal development, hiring the right coach for you that can really help you work through whatever the, whatever the issues that you have, the, the, the trauma, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. making the decisions that we need to make now, to extricate ourselves from our addictions, from our, 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 you know, our, our trauma patterning, like now's the time. And it's amazing. It's amazing because that's the beauty of pressure is that it does create a diamond. But to your point before, ultimately it does come down to choice Mm -hmm. because if we don't make the choice and we just live in pressure, then we're going to get compressed Mm -hmm. and depressed and we're going to suffer So I think that for me is the choice that we have internally is that we're either going to expand and evolve or we're going to contract and suffer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I personally, I've, I've, I've experienced both and I know which one feels good and I'm going to go with the one that feels good, even if it feels uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah. Well, this was amazing. Thanks for spending time with me. Appreciate it for having me. Thank you for um, creating the space for this conversation to happen. Yeah, absolutely. We've been looking forward to it for a little while now. Mm -hmm. Um, Please tell the audience um, a little bit about your book and where they can find out more about you and how to follow you. Yeah, definitely. Um, So my book, Potent Leadership, Drop Mask, Ignite the Real You and Reclaim the Leader Within is currently available on Amazon in all countries, but you can also go into your local bookstore, Barnes and Noble, wherever they sell books and ask them to order it in and they will just in case you don't want to support Amazon. Um, you, for more info on me, you can head to rubyframon.com and you can see all the ways to work with me as well as links to the book. Um, if you want more of this level of truth, you can tune into my podcast, Potent Truth, on all podcast platforms. And um, join me on social media at I am Ruby. As long as I'm not censored, I'll still be there speaking up and holding down the fort. Mm. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Again, thanks so much for joining me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs>